Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to episode number 197 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline, and we're back this week with another look ahead to the 2021 college football season, specifically, again, as it relates to the 2022 NFL Draft. Last week, we hit on the MAC. This week, we'll head to the American Athletic Conference, or the AAC, as it's widely referred to. And it is a top-heavy conference with a couple teams that have almost as many prospects with draftable grades as the entire MAC did last week. Yeah, and it's heavy with Cincinnati, Central Florida, and SMU, the best teams in the uh, conference. Cincinnati played uh, – actually, Cincinnati won the conference title last year. They got a lot of big-name players, but there's also a lot of sleepers that we're going to talk about people should keep an eye on. And we will get to all of that this week in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action. And Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to betonline.ag and start playing today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now taking a look at the AAC as a whole, twice as many teams had a player selected in April's draft, eight teams, than the MAC had total prospects selected with four. So even though neither of these conferences is a major conference, we are dealing with a far different animal on this week's show. 19 overall selections for the AAC in April. Nine of those came from Central Florida and Cincinnati, as Tony mentioned earlier, including SMU as well, had two selections. And that's a trend you're going to likely see again from these teams. Two first-rounders in this year's draft, Tulsa linebacker Zayvon Collins and surprise Houston defensive end Peyton Turner. A few day two selections, all defensive backs, and two from the UCF secondary and Richie Grant, the safety, and Aaron Robinson, the corner. And then a surprise again with SMU's Brandon Stevens. But taking an early look to 2022's draft, not sure we're going to get a first-round repeat, although really nobody saw Collins or Turner going that high at this time last year. But there is definitely some potential for multiple prospects to land on day two of the draft. And again, it comes from Cincinnati, it comes from Central Florida, uh, and those are basically the two schools that if there are top 42, if not top 32 selections, that's where it's going to come from. A lot of receivers, some decent linebackers, uh, some good offensive linemen as well. Now we will start at the top with Central Florida. 
at least one player drafted from the program each of the past five seasons, including five last year. The aforementioned Richie Grant and Aaron Robinson, along with Jacob Harris, Tay Gowan, and Trey Nixon. This year's squad, one draftable senior in guard Cole Schneider, but several intriguing juniors, starting with wide receiver Jalen Robinson. Last year played behind Texans UDFA Marlon Williams, 55 catches, 979 yards, and six touchdowns. Should see an even bigger role this season with Williams and Jacob Harris gone. No other returning players with more than 20 receptions last year. So you combine that opportunity for Robinson with Gus Malzahn's incoming offensive scheme, and you could really see a big year from Jalen Robinson. He's a legit downfield playmaker as well as with the ball in his hands. Linebacker Tatum Bethune can get after ball carriers, second leading returning tackler on the team with 57, added seven tackles for loss and two and a half sacks as well. And he's also good in coverage, but he does lack size, kind of a tweener between linebacker and safety. Tony, what do you make of the Knights' 2022 draft prospects? Yeah, you also forgot uh, Trey Nixon, who was uh, a real good receiver at Central Florida until he got injured, was a a late-round pick by the New England Patriots. You know, as I said in the write-up at the Pro Football Network, if there is a Kadarius Tony, or in the early going of my film work, if there is a Kadarius Tony type of receiver, it would be Jalen Robinson. Not a real big guy, but sleek, slender, quick, explosive, and a real playmaker catches the underneath balls with consistency, shows the ability to get downfield. You can run a lot of different plays with them. Good route runner. Uh, you know, as you said, w- with their top receivers graduating to the NFL and now on NFL ro- uh, rosters, the focus is going to be on Robinson. And I think a big year can really help his draft stock. I presently grade him as a third rounder, but as I said, I kind of, with the underclassmen, especially with the uh, guys who were uh, redshirt sophomores, as Robinson was last year, I leave some room because I want to see some improvement in their games. And if Robinson meets expectations that I have of him, I think he's absolutely a potential top 45 pick in 2022. Tatum Bethune is an undersized running chase linebacker. He's explosive. He sells out. You know, he's sort of the Richie Grant type uh, at the linebacker position. Can play him in space, good in coverage, real good against the run, outstanding in pursuit. They actually have four offensive linemen. You mentioned Cole Schneider, who I've given a six-round grade. A lot of scouts give him a six-round grade. They got three underclassmen. Lakahi Powali, who is a uh, guard. Matt Lee, who is a Richard sophomore uh, center. And Ed Collins, who is a fourth-year junior tackle. I give them draftable grades to all those guys. So, you know, you mentioned Gus Malzahn. They got the offensive line. They got talent and experience on the offensive line. They also got a playmaker uh, in Jalen Robinson. And they got a good college quarterback, obviously, in uh, Dylan Gabriel. Two graduate transfers to keep an eye on. Central Florida was hurt because a couple of guys transferred out of there to other schools, guys who uh, probably will be draftable next year. But they also brought in a pair of guys, a pair of former Auburn Tigers who played under Gus Malzahn, who have experience with Gus Malzahn, Nate Craig Myers, who actually went from Auburn to Colorado State. Now he's back with Malzahn at uh, Central Florida. And Big Cat Bryant, Big Cat Bryant, the uh, pass rusher uh, from Auburn, who at one point in time was considered a mid-round pick, really hasn't lived up to expectations. But watch both of those guys, because if they have big years, they're going to enter the conversation for the late rounds. Now looking at Cincinnati, a program that one-ups UCF with six straight years of players in the draft, One fewer pick in April, though, with four selections, all of them coming on day three, headlined by offensive tackle James Hudson in round four and defensive back Derek Forrest in round five. 
Looking ahead, though, many outside the scouting community would start their look at the Bearcats under center with quarterback Desmond Ritter. And then physically, you can understand why, because Ritter is the entire package in terms of traits. He has excellent size, albeit a slightly thin frame, especially for a mobile quarterback. But he has high-end athleticism and a big arm, also does a good job protecting the football. But he's a work in progress in terms of his accuracy and just his general consistency on the field. Scouts actually have him graded as a third-day pick. And again, we've seen it many times the past couple of years. That doesn't mean he cannot rise up boards with a strong season. But right now, assuming no improvement, he is graded currently as a third-day pick in the eyes of scouts. His teammate, though, defensive end Majai Sanders, is viewed by some scouts as a day-two pick. Took a big step last year in his second year as a starter with 10.5 tackles for loss and seven sacks in 10 games. More growth in 2021 could certainly move him into the round-two mix. But, Tony, I know you already have him ranked there as a second-rounder. Beyond that, would you say there's any first-round potential for Sanders with improvement? Yeah, potentially. I really like Sanders. I mean, he's graded anywhere from a third-rounder to a sixth-rounder as far as scouts are concerned. The prime concern about Sanders is his size. He's listed at like 255 pounds on the Cincinnati website. But his last year when he was measured and weighed by scouts, he came in under 225 pounds. So you're looking at a guy that's goes about 6'5", goes about 225 pounds. Is he an outside linebacker? Is he a defensive end? Is he going to hold up an outside linebacker in a 3-4 alignment? The fact is this, the guy's a playmaker when you watch him. He's constantly behind the line of scrimmage, disrupting the action. He gets out in pursuit, makes plays in space, very athletic. Uh, I, I think when you look at him on film, he grades out as a top 45 pick. When you look at his measurables and his computer numbers, that will be the determining factor. That's why scouts downgrade him. That's why scouts have him rated much lower than I do. Desmond Ritter, you're right about the physical package. I mean, he's a big pocket passer who picks up a lot of yard, yardage with his legs. He also has a big time arm. But the problem is you don't know where the ball is going. I likened him to Jamie Newman entering the senior year. Of course, Jamie Newman never played during his senior year in the sense that he's got all the physical tools, but his downfield accuracy and his accuracy out to the flanks leaves a lot to be desired. And he misses a lot of opportunities and you can't be wild. And Desmond Ritter is wild. Good athlete, good college quarterback, does a great job leading the offense. Doesn't mean he projects all that well to the next level. If he shows accuracy, if he shows good pass placement on a consistent basis, I think he'll move up draft boards. Their tight end, their junior tight end, Josh Weil, I, he's he's fantastic. Yeah, he's a kid who I absolutely love. I grade him as a fifth rounder. Again, I want to see continued progress in his game. He gets down the field. He makes all the receptions. He's a stout tight end. He's a guy who can be used as a move tight end. He can be used in a conventional role. Love his upside. Just want to see some uh, uh, some continued progress from him. Alec Pierce, the wide receiver. I grade him as a seventh rounder. There are some scouts that have Pierce graded as a mid-round choice. He goes 6'3", 207 pounds. He makes some phenomenal catches if you watch the Cincinnati games last year. He's also very consistent. He's got small hands, and he runs in the 4.55. So, again, we're looking at a situation where here's a guy who's a real good college receiver, wins out for the contested throws, but I think he's just going to struggle separating at the next level. And someone who – is going to be a possession receiver who doesn't show great quickness in his routes, doesn't show great speed down the field. Michael Young, another receiver. He's a smaller guy. He's a little bit quicker, a better route runner. I have him graded as a uh, undrafted free agent. He's someone with a big year who could actually slide uh, into the late rounds. 
They'll go down south to Texas, where Houston put a player in round one of April's draft, the aforementioned Peyton Turner. Also had wide receiver Marquez Stevenson and linebacker Grant Stewart drafted on day three. And like Cincinnati, Houston six straight years with a draft pick. And there's a good chance that continues in 2022. And it could be another defensive lineman leading the way after Turner last year and Ed Oliver in 2019. Senior defensive tackle Logan Hall, not going to be a first round pick like those other two guys, 23 tackles and one sack in 2020. But he is an athletic three technique, plays a similar role to Oliver's in the defense, just more of a late round type of pick. Senior cornerback Demarion Williams is taking advantage of the extra season of eligibility granted by the NCAA after he took a step back in 2020, sticking in the secondary with arguably Houston's top prospect, junior safety Hassan Hippolyte, 30 tackles in 2021 in his first year as a starter, has good size, defends the run nicely, had one interception in eight games last season as well, so he can play the ball a little bit. What's your opinion on these three guys, Tony, and any other prospects of note for the Cougars? You know, let's start with Logan Hall. You mentioned how Peyton Turner came out of nowhere last year. At this point a year ago, Peyton Turner was graded as a undrafted free agent, had a phenomenal year, good workout. Scouts liked him so much. As you said, you know, it was a surprise first-round pick. Logan Hall has that ability. Six five and a half, two hundred seventy 270 pounds, athletic. He's fast. He's nimble. He's got growth potential. He's got upside. So while I grade him as a sixth-rounder right now, some scouts have him as a fifth-rounder. Logan Hall, if he has a Peyton Turner type of season, could make a big move up draft boards. Not saying first round, but he can make a big move up draft boards. Hassan Hippolyte, an underclassman safety. He's an explosive guy. He's constantly around the ball. Good against the run and pass. Right now, I have him as the early sixth-round pick. Max Baines, another underclassman, big wide-body blocker. Uh, basically just clears the middle of the field. Uh, right now, I have him as a seventh-round pick. You mentioned Demarion Williams was actually graded higher a year ago than he is now because of a disappointing uh, 2020 campaign. They got a couple other guys to keep an eye on that came back. Mullabar Carr, uh, sort of a, a uh, downhill ball carrier, very strong. Uh, between the tackles type of guy who's also smart. David Enina, who is an undersized defensive end who can stand up over tackle, is a guy to keep an eye on. 6'2 250 pounds, runs and plays in the high four sixes, primarily comes out of three-point stance in Houston. But I think he, he translates well to an outside linebacker in a 3-4 type of system. Now heading on back east towards Memphis, which has had a player drafted each of the past eight years after three drafted in 2020, just one in April, running back Kenneth Gainwell in round five. And to bounce back in 2022, the Tigers might need some underclassmen to declare for the draft. They do have one draftable senior, linebacker Zay Collins, Went from 69 tackles in 13 games in 2019, though, to just 29 in nine games last year. Also lacks size. He's under 220 pounds, so really needs to get back to his 2019 level of production in order to warrant a draft pick or a priority free agent grade. Two junior safeties of note for the Tigers. Quindell Johnson, 81 tackles, five pass breakups in 2020. Also forced two fumbles, free safety size with good speed range and ball skills. And then LaAndre Thomas. Six foot, 180 pounds, opted out of the 2020 season, did have 63 tackles in 2019 and also has shown ball skills on the field. But here he's listed at cornerback on the depth chart. Either way, no matter which position he plays, though, he's a defensive back to keep an eye on. And not much as far as uh, Memphis is concerned, because their guys really didn't show a lot of progress on the field. 
you know, you mentioned Zay Collins off the 2019 film. Looks like a late round choice. You got to kind of throw caution to the wind here because of the type of year it was uh, in 2020. Quindell Johnson, I like him. Slightly undersized, but again, you know, just like the kid from uh, from Houston, Hassan Hippolyte, good against the run, real good against the pass. Andre Thomas, as you mentioned, opted out in 2020. He was really good in 2019. Got to step it up or get back to where he was. Uh, Sanchez Blake Jr., a, 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 another safety, a guy who really didn't show much at all in 2020 after having a good 2019. So there's potential there, but these guys, these prospects from Memphis got to get back to where they were two seasons ago and, and build from there. Now we'll finish up the rest of the notable teams in the AAC after this brief message. Why are 97% of the chicken served in the U.S. dipped in chlorine? Simple. Big food doesn't have the same quality standards as the family farm. That's why you need Moinkbox.com. Moink was founded by an eighth-generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted. And Jamie Siminoff creator of the Ring Video Doorbell, invested in Moink. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe right now. And listeners to this show, get free bacon for a year with every box ordered. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but only for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe. That's moinkbox.com slash believe. Now on to the final four teams we'll cover on this week's show. And starting with SMU, Mustangs had three players drafted the past two years, including Brandon Stevens last year, who we mentioned earlier, and also pass catching tight end Kylan Granson in round four. And speaking of pass catchers, SMU has a couple intriguing seniors at those spots on the depth chart. Wide receiver Reggie Roberson had a huge start in 2020 22 catches 474 yards and five touchdowns in four games before hurting his knee and missing the rest of the season and he also played just eight games in 2019 due to an ankle injury but in those eight games 43 receptions 803 yards and six touchdowns the guy can play football he's got good size he's got the speed to get deep he's averaged almost 20 yards per catch the past two seasons arguably the best prospect in the aac on talent alone but he needs a healthy season in the worst way and speaking of someone who needs health, Grant Calcaterra, a name many might remember, the former Oklahoma tight end who retired due to multiple concussions. He's now back on the college football field at SMU and really profiles similarly to Kylan Granson as a smaller move type of tight end. His best season came back in 2018, 26 catches, 396 yards, and six touchdowns in 14 games, catching passes from Kyler Murray. He won't have C.D. Lamb and Marquise Brown to compete with four targets, though. Just Roberson, assuming he's healthy. So there's certainly potential here for Calcaterra to match Granson's 35-catch, 536-yard, five-touchdown line from last year. Talk to us about Roberson and Calcaterra, Tony, and any of the other intriguing prospects at SMU. And you won't have the SMU quarterback either who graduated to the NFL, who's now in a camp. You know, scouts love Calcaterra. Uh, They've graded him as a mid-round pick, as high as a fourth-round pick, despite the fact that, you know, he's previously retired from football because of concussion issues. I have him as a seventh-rounder, a guy who played tight end, who was listed at receiver. He's got good measurables, 
Obviously, he's got to get his game back on track. And of course, you got to see what happens during those combine medicals, see if there's any red flags popped up based on his past history with the concussions. Reggie Roberson, I mean, on film, he grades out as a top 45 pick. You mentioned the his play last year's play in 2019. We spoke about him on this podcast a year ago when we talked about the AAC in our summer report. He's fast. He's explosive. He is a tremendous downfield threat who consistently makes the big catch uh, for the vertical game. Uh, Shane Bushell was the quarterback. The name, you know, when Shane Bushell was, was driving the ball downfield to him, he also catches the underneath pass as well. He's got big hands, but he's got a lot of injuries. He's not been able to stay healthy, as Chris pointed out. And right now I got him graded as a third rounder, who I think is going to end up in the fifth round because of those injury issues. Jalen Thomas is a relatively mobile left tackle who I project as a zone blocking guard. They do have another receiver to keep an eye on a, 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 a junior by the name of Rashi Rice, who really picked up the slack when Roberson went down with his injury. He's a bigger guy, but he's sure handed and scouts like a, a third receiver, even more Danny gray, six foot, 188 pounds uh, times fast, but doesn't play as fast as he times, which is in the low four fours. I see him graded anywhere from the sixth to seventh round. So depending on what happens with Reggie Roberson, Danny Gray and Rasheed Rice, the other SMU receivers, are two guys to keep an eye on. Now, Temple didn't have a player drafted in April, breaking a five-year streak for the Owls. Should be able to start a new one this year, though, even with the loss of several potential late-round picks to the transfer portal. Jaden Blue still in school after leading the team with 41 catches, 371 yards, and five touchdowns in six games last year. He's got a lean six-foot frame, not really a playmaker, but he's a good route runner and a reliable target in the short and intermediate field. And there are two other seniors of note for Temple, offensive lineman Isaac Moore, who had a good 2019 season, was actually benched to start 2020, did get his job back by week three at left tackle, though, finished out the year as a starter. But this year, he's now listed a right guard on the depth chart, and that might actually be a better fit for his skill set as a guy who moves well and can get out to the second level. If he can adapt to the guard position, that'll only help his draft stock. And then safety, Amir Tyler, solid size, 33 tackles in six games in 2020. Does a nice job against the run and in the box. Tony, last season as a whole, pretty rough for Temple, both on the field and in the draft. What's the outlook for next year and the 2022 draft? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that much better. I mean, you mentioned that the, the uh, transfers, they lost Isaiah Graham Mobley, one of their best linebackers to Boston College. They lost two guys to Rutgers, the cornerback Christian Braswell, who I have graded as late round pick. And Ayafendi Maija, uh, the defensive tackle, three technique uh, tackle, who has been thinking about entering the draft the past two years, decides to uh, transfer the Rutgers. So uh, Temple's loss is definitely Rutgers gain. I think it's going to be a tough goal of it for Rutgers. Now, Jaden Blue, Gave serious consideration to entering the draft last year. He decided to go back. I have him listed as a late fifth rounder, which is much higher than scouts. Most scouts have him as a free agent. You know, it, it, the, the situation at quarterback was a disaster last year for Temple. They lost another guy who wouldn't even talk about it, uh, Anthony Russo, the quarterback who's now at Michigan State. And I, I think it really hurt Jaden Blue. But Jaden Blue is six foot tall. He was about 185 pounds. He plays fast in the mid four fours relatively consistent pass catcher. I just think the situation at Temple, especially last year, really hurt him. I don't know if it's going to help him this year. I still believe in him. I think he's a good receiver. 
Uh, I think if he's not drafted, someone's going to get a uh, going to get a steal as a, as a uh, free agent signing. I've liked Isaac Moore for the past two years. I agree with you. The move into guard should help more or at least help his draft stock. He's a tall guy who's relatively mobile. He's got growth potential. He blocks with a nasty attitude and really plays through the whistle. Amir Tyler, I have graded much higher than scouts, but he's an explosive guy who plays faster than his 40 time. He's terrific against the run. He's solid in coverage, specifically zone. You know, I, I think it's going to be a rough go of it for Temple. I don't have high hopes. And it's amazing because Temple's a uh, program that really went through several phases of redevelopment and, and went from cellar dwellers in the Big East. And then they the Mac didn't want him. They, they couldn't find a home to a really competitive program. I just see them going in reverse the past couple of years. Now, Tulane, two draft picks in three of the past four years. It's put a player in the draft in five straight years. And both of those things could happen again in 2022. A couple of draftable seniors on the roster. Offensive tackle Joey Claybook lacks elite athleticism, but he's a polished lineman who makes the most of what he has. And safety Larry Brooks, 58 tackles last year, seven interceptions and seven pass breakups over the past two seasons. And the film matches the stats in terms of Brooks's ability to impact both against the run and the past covered though. Pretty bare after that wide receiver Deuce Watts is a little bit intriguing as a potential UDFA after catching 31 balls for a team high 512 yards and six touchdowns last year after transferring from junior college, break down the green wave a bit here for us, Tony. Yeah. Claybrook is tall. He does a good job with his angles, with his pass protection and pass protection does a good job with the body positioning uh, very solid. I don't think he's got a high upside. I grade him as a late fifth round pick. There are some scouts who have him as a sixth rounder. I, I think he's got good upside potential. Definitely has growth potential. Don't know that he's ever going to be a start at the next level, but he could absolutely be a swing tackle. Larry Brooks is someone that you can't help but notice when you watch the film because he's all over the place making plays against the run and against the pass. And he is a hard hitter. I mean, he is someone who viciously attacks opponents doesn't have any lapses on the field. Uh, a guy who I don't think he's got great upside, which is why I grade him as a six-rounder. But I think he's somebody who could be your third safety and a special teams player. They got several receivers. You mentioned Deuce Watts, who I have graded as a undrafted free agent. There are some scouts that have him as a uh, seventh-rounder. His brother, Fat Watts, is also somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, six foot, 185 pounds, runs in the four or fives. Uh, they like to play off of each other. And one last defender to mention, Dorian Williams, an undersized linebacker, running chase linebacker, outstanding in pursuit. Again, sort of like Larry Brooks, the safety, in the sense that he really stands out on film when you watch. Now, Tulsa put friend of the show, Zavin Collins, into April's first round and had players drafted each of the past two years after an eight-year draft. A few seniors could extend that streak to three, although none of them are going to sniff round one like Zavin Collins did or really even day two. Guard Chris Paul, great size, 6'3 half, 323 pounds, and he plays to that size with good strength and power on the inside. Cornerback Ty Neal Martin held his own as a first-year starter in 2020's half season. He's just under six foot, 210 pounds, played corner last season. He's listed at free safety ahead of the 2021 campaign. Either way, keep an eye on him. Wide receivers Josh Johnson and Keelan Stokes both return. Stokes is back for his second senior season after leading the team with 46 catches, 644 yards, and three touchdowns. Did drop off a bit, though, after a 1,000-yard 2019 season. 
but also returns punts for Tulsa. Johnson led the team with six touchdowns last year. He's a bit taller and leaner than Stokes, similar speed. And both of these guys right on the borderline of being draftable prospects. Tony, you tipped us off to Zayvon Collins early this past season. What can you tell us about Tulsa heading into the 2021 year? Yeah, I have both of those receivers right on the fringe of late round picks. That's different from scouts because scouts have them anywhere from the early to mid portion of the third day, both Josh Johnson and Keelan Stokes. I agree with you. You know, Stokes game last year was up and down. Josh Johnson is a little bit more consistent. They have average size. They have average speed. I mean, I don't see them as anything other than maybe number four, number five receivers. I don't know that that warrants taking them early in day three, but we'll have to see if they have good years. They could absolutely help their uh, draft stock. I like Ty Neal Martin a lot. He's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's smart. He's instinctive. He's consistently making plays on the ball, especially against the pass. They got a couple of offensive linemen. You mentioned Chris Paul, who I have graded as a six-rounder, which is right where scouts have him, or at least the scouts I've spoken with. They got two other guys, Gerard Wheeler, who early on last year looked like a real dominant uh, offensive lineman, then basically fell off the cliff the second half of the season. He was terrible. If he gets back to where he was early in 2020, I think he could hop into the conversation as a late-round pick. And another guy to keep an eye on is Zavol Gaudlin, who's coming back uh, after opting out last season. Now, if you listen to our show last year, Gaudlin was a guy who, after his redshirt sophomore season, I had highly rated. He was their starting left tackle for Tulsa. He showed terrific footwork. He was athletic. He's good in motion, good on the second level, nimble guy. Right now, he's listed second on the depth chart. So, Godwin's going to have to get a starting job back and really build off of the performance that he showed in 2019 to move himself back into the middle rounds, which is where I had him, where he left off last. And that's it for the 197th episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll be back next week to break down the next level prospects from Conflicts USA. But until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Brody. Good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.